if it weren't for the COVID, today would be the final day of Comic-Con in San Diego, which brings in $150 million in that week to the economy. A lot of businesses make 90% of their money this month from Comic-Con, like in the gas lamp in those areas and everything like that, and none of that's happening. And what is happening in the convention center? Homeless people are living in there and mm. smoking out back yeah. at taxpayer expense. Great. To not spread the virus. But, man, how much money is that to not get spread around? Well, The yeah. layers and layers and layers of the economic costs of this thing are amazing. Mm. I- I'm not arguing against canceling. I think you had to. Oh, yeah. But, uh, man, yeah. that's a lot of money. Need to get to uh, the fabulous stuff that Mike Rowe wrote uh, the other day. It's it's really, really good about uh, the vid and how he's dealing with it and what he's thinking about it. Um, also, what counts as food and what doesn't for having your uh, restaurant or bar open? They've got changing rules. The California Food Police are covering themselves in embarrassment. So we would like every person, woman, man, camera, and TV to uh, stay tuned for all that on the way. But first, we've got to take a fond look back. At the week that was, we call it cow clips of the week. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And advise that that female now pulled her pants down and is urinating inside the business. <laughs> and I sent it. I said, "Take my kids, take them." I said, "Please take my children." <laughs> Got to get our daughter out of the house. My gosh. <laughs> We both have a lot of opinions about people of color, even though we barely know any. I say colored people, but as long as we're classifying them. A console through which he can talk to his friendly local computer and get all the information he needs for his everyday life and his bank statements. Buddy, you wish, said a coked up alligator on a jet ski. China has now taken its place alongside Russia, Iran, and North Korea in that shameful club of nations that provide a safe haven for cyber criminals in exchange for those criminals being on call for the benefit of the state. There's an 80% increase in rooting for the sharks during Shark Week. Hey, 75% increase in board game-related stabbings. (laughs) Then, grab a beer from your fridge and rip up a $20 bill. And finally, Cover your bathroom in another man's urine. Now that's baseball. I cannot apologize for my passion. It was a guy that bought the worst seat that would have gotten that souvenir. That souvenir may sit there for another eight and a half innings. One of the clips in there was that absolutely devastatingly great video about uh, how racists and woke people agree on everything. Uh, that's at armstrongandgetty.com. It's terrific. Also at ang.com. And I've been trying to get better at plugging this. You can download the podcasts, but uh, ANG swag, t shirts, some really funny t shirts and coffee mugs and hoodies and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to whine or anything, but we've had uh, the whole COVID thing has hit the radio business hard. Oof. And um, and and the uh, the swag, Jack and I don't keep a dime of that. It's going to pay the fellas. So anyway, to to make sure, you know, everybody can make their rent. So anyway, speaking of funny, this you is a funny. buy it. Armstrong and Getty dot com. This is a funny text. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. I'm fast approach, approaching eight hundred signatures to remove the derogatory term cracker from all products 
and replace it with non-offensive verbiage such as wholesome baked X. Please ask your listeners to support this petition. I'm, I'm fully on board. I'll donate. I'll march. Heck, I'll smash windows. Oh, that reminds me. Old historic theater near where I live got all their windows smashed out by, by d- d- militant Marxists. Because is there a message to that? Because it exists. Because they want to smash stuff. No, this theater, I guarantee it's run by liberals. Of course. Oh, my God. But it's not about liberals. It's about Marxists and anarchists. Oh, speaking of which, sanity has prevailed at George Washington University. I'm just, I'm stunned. The college confirmed this week it's pulled from its anti-racism resource guide, a book that claims conservatism is synonymous with racism. The school's Office for Diversity, Equity, and Community Engagement, uh, so- Solidarity Resource Syllabus, um, blah, 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 originally listed 126 suggested readings, including a book called Conservatism and Racism and Why in America They Are the Same. Jeez, <laughs> are you kidding me? We've been talking about the breakdown is, uh, is uh, age-related to a certain extent. Under a certain age has a different, comp- completely different view of what liberal means than uh, than above and and Matt Taibbi in his latest piece in Rolling Stone talks about how Barack Obama came out and uh did he give a speech or write something whichever it was about cancel culture and how that's a bad idea and that mm-hmm. sort of thing right um and then a young columnist in the New York Times basically said okay boomer to Barack Obama a young black columnist and wrote about how Barack Obama is wrong Barack Obama is on the wrong side of already. History. And he was the hero of America just a couple of years ago. Obama! Uh, like like last <laughs> week. But he is in a, you know, he's in his, no, you're wrong and here's why. Right. To the young op-ed people in the New York Times. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it, it just troubles me so much that uh, like uh, Nakedly Progressive Radio this morning was referring to the violent, militant Marxists trying to burn things down as people protesting police brutality and in favor of civil rights. And it is really, really important that America starts to understand the difference. And that's one of the reasons I was so annoyed by the baseball thing. The baseball thing. Nice description, Joe. Good thing you don't do this for a living. The baseball thing. Sorry, I just I, sometimes I forget that people don't listen to the whole show. We've talked a fair amount right. about the opening night of baseball was full of unctuous and obnoxious, uh, you know, politically correct pandering and kneelings and bonehead managers talking about social justice during in-game interviews, even though they have no idea what they're talking about. And just it, it's really important that people understand what you think. This is, is not what they think this is. What the protesters and the hardcore are trying to accomplish has nothing to do with what you think. Because you're thinking, well, this is about equal rights, right? This is about, you know, no police brutality. This is about uh, fair treatment for people of all races. No, no, it's not. It's about tearing down the country and installing a new Marxist future. I'm not some sort of paranoiac. This this is what they say. That's what made me so crazy about NPR is why are you describing the protesters' aims like that when they are more than delighted to describe it themselves? And they have, and you're ignoring it. Mm. Part of it is because, you know, NPR types want desperately to get Trump out. 
And they figure, all right, if there's more violence and chaos and ugliness, it's more likely to get Trump out. So I'm not going to call the anarchists on being anarchists. But, you know, that makes you a liar and a coward. If you're content with that, uh, live your life. Another good text. A new mask first for me this morning. I had to wear a mask in my own home for the refrigerator repairman to come in. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. They will not come in your home and fix your refrigerator unless you put on a mask hmm. in your house. Huh. Mm. I suppose you could say, I'm not going to wear a mask, but they'd say, well, then I'm not going to fix your refrigerator. Sure. Yeah. That's there their go. right. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'll be darned. I have fixed washing machines. I've fixed all sorts of stuff, but I've never really attempted a fridge. Depends on what you're fixing. Uh, ice maker. I've done many uh, adjustments, repairs. Yep. To ice makers. I've done that, but like if the uh, compressor goes out and stuff like that. Oh, I did that. I did that not that long ago. And it was in another, a fridge? It, it, yeah. Oh. I did that last year, and it was, uh, I ordered it online. I actually was going to pay a bunch, and a guy, luckily, this place I go, A1 Appliance. Um, uh, they, they said, hey, the guy said, look, we're busy. I can't get to you, but it's super simple. Look under there, get the number, order it. You just don't. And so I, I got a YouTube video. Anything you want to do is on YouTube. Love it. I ordered the right piece. It came. I unplugged it. I plugged it in. And I thought I would have paid a hundred and how many people pay 150, 200 bucks for that? Yep. And don't know. The hardest part of the job was taking all the food out so you could reach it. Yeah. A lot of DIY projects are that easy. Some are a little challenging the first time you do them, but you can do them. Yeah. I mean, there are there are certainly few things that you need a plumber or an electrician or whatever for, but there are a hell of a lot you do Heart not. Heart surgery. All right. Well, number one, you do it on yourself. In the mirror, everything's backward, so you're, you know, <laughs> liable to take out your kidney That's my instead. left ventricle. It's my right Dang ventricle. It, I'm looking in a mirror. Backward. No yeah. wonder I can't breathe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. You know, a new survey, uh, adults say summer loses its magic as you get older. Not when you feel as beautiful as I do. <laughs> nice job, Michael. Summer's not as magical as you get older. Maybe we'll get to that later this hour. What? Is it supposed to remain magic? <laughs> do adults need magic? <laughs> Who did this poll? Ah, uh, what poll? Summer magical. All of them. Tell you what, this is this, nah. I'm not even going to do it. We've promised I'm sad and melancholy. I'm going to steer clear of that. We, a little restraint for we, once. We have promised five pounds a show. We got a three pounds a bag left, yeah. so we better get to it. Armstrong and Getty. Wearing full raccoon coat. <laughs> I don't care. You just say you love me. It's all good, man. It's all good, man. I'm desperate as sh- shirt now. You need to have better standards. People are watching you, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. That needs a description. <laughs> so this is a girl filming, uh, as, as kids do, filming herself for uh, performing a song. Uh, I don't. Uh, as long as you love me is the name sure. of the song. 
probably for, you know, viral TikTok or Twitter or something like that. And just the dad off camera just starts roasting her. And it's great. <laughs> roasting the lyrics of the song. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. everything's fine as long as you love me. He's like, <laughs> guy shows up in a chinchilla coat. We're fine. We're good. Come on. Just yeah, as long as you love better me. Better standards. Anything goes. Anything at all. Just yeah, as long as you love funny. me. You guys want to hear it again? Uh, meh. It's hard to understand the guy. Combination of the accent this and the audio. This is what we do, Sean. We posted at armstrongandgetty.com. Excellent idea. Clickonomics. Show it to all and your friends. And then the money just rolls in. Oh, yeah. Armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is funny, though. Uh, Hanson needs the link. Give it five minutes. It'll be up. You need to have more standards. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anybody taking the, the the lyric of a love song seriously is, is, is a fool. With a few exceptions, a few notable exceptions. There are some great love songs. They're mostly stupid. Maybe I'll do, I'll talk about that in my blog. I have no blog. Mike Rowe does a bit of blogging. You know him from Dirty Jobs, etc. A longtime friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, he got uh, criticism on the old Facebook from some woman named Darlene who wrote uh, in a recent post. You've been, uh, you say you've been to Tennessee and Georgia, giving speeches and film filming for your new show. Before that, you're on the road just shooting for dirty jobs. Is it really so important to film a television show in the midst of a pandemic? Is it irresponsible of you to encourage this kind of behavior when infection rates are spiking? Don't you watch the news? More and more cases every day. Aren't you concerned? Well, uh, Mike responded brilliantly, as he often does. Of course I'm concerned, he wrote. I'm just not petrified. And then he linked to an interview with Dr. Michael Olsterholm, uh, whose act I do not know. Uh, but Mike says, Dr. Olsterholm is the director of infect- infectious disease research and policy. This is the same epidemiologist who 10 years ago predicted a coronavirus would come from China and turn our country upside down. In his book, Deadliest Enemies, he described the utterly irresponsible way in which the media would report on the situation, the completely opportunistic and shameless way our political leaders would likely react, and the unprecedented chaos and confusion that would arise from all the mixed messages from the medical community. Well, sounds like a crappy book. He knows nothing. Rowe continued. He noted that Osterholm is, quote, the only expert I know of who hasn't walked back his numbers, reconsidered his position, or moved the goalpost with regard for what we must do, what we can do, and what he expects to happen next. I say all of this because Dr. Osterholm also predicted that we could easily see 100 million COVID cases in this country with a very strong possibility of 480,000 fatalities, even if we successfully flatten the curve. And then Mike explained that he'd accepted the $480,000 fatalities prediction and quickly navigated the four stages of grief that usually precede acceptance, denial, anger, bargaining, and depression. Since then, I've had three full months to come to terms with the fact that, A, I am probably going to get COVID at some point, and B, I am almost certainly going to survive it, and C, I might very well give it to someone else. I'm also very concerned for my parents and everyone else in a high-risk category, but When Dr. Osterholm says that COVID can be slowed but not stopped, I believe him. When he says a vaccine will not necessarily hasten herd immunity, I believe him. And when he says that flattening the curve and eliminating the virus have nothing to do with each other, I believe him. He concluded uh, with the steps he's taken so far, um, which are all the reasonable things. He gets tested and where he gets tested, I don't know. But if I can't distance, I wear a mask, especially around high-risk people, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, Darlene, that's a long way of saying that I have accepted Dr. Osterholm's numbers. And now after three months of acceptance, I've made a decision on how I wish to live my life. Sooner or later, you will too. We all will. 
That is correct. I think that's a great way of looking at it. I'm concerned, but I'm not paralyzed. Love I've that. made a rational set of conclusions about risk, about cost of various strategies, and what is best for me and mine, as opposed to being barked at by some egomaniacal governor. Speaking of making the best decisions for you and egomaniacal governors, got this text. My husband and I have four kids in the California public school system, high school, middle school, and elementary. They were all so devastated about our schools not opening that we made the decision to move to Utah for the school year. This is really drastic for us, but we felt that we couldn't sit by anymore and let Gavin Newsom decide what is best for our family. Right. It's insane that parents aren't being given the option to decide for themselves what they feel comfortable with. It is. It's a, as you put it earlier, it is a serious failure of democracy. When you have overwhelming numbers say, we've got to open the schools. Some folks say with, with little change. Some folks say with a lot of change and a lot of safety procedures. But the numbers on should we open schools are overwhelmingly yes. And yet, because the unions run, uh, you know, a lot of the state capitals. Public support and the support of doctors and a lot of policymakers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pediatricians, associations are saying open the schools, but we can't get it done because those who hold political power are getting paid off to, you know, uh, dance to the tune of certain special interests. Has summer lost its magic, among other things to discuss? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ben Trump issued a challenge to Joe Biden. You go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have, like, a good memory, because I'm cognitively there. Now, Joe should take that test. America is in for the worst debates in history. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. Railroad, Scranton, Corn Pop, Barack Obama. Come on, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Railroad, Scranton, Corn Pop, Barack Obama. Oh, boy, that's funny. We're talking with Lon Hee Chen earlier, and he agreed with my belief that I don't think Joe Biden needs to come out and answer any question and have press conferences. I think he just rides this clear to election day. Just says, you want Trump again or not? And that's what he basically says. I, You know, even if I were going to quibble, it'd just be that you can ride it as long as possible. I, I mean, think- longer than it's ever been ridden before. You're comparing it to Trump's taxes made a lot of sense to me in terms of this was something that used to happen all the time. But turns out you cannot do it and sure. and be just fine. Although the taxes thing started with Nixon, right? Is that when it started? The it, first time, I think so. Yeah, I mean, but, it's not like it's been happening since uh, okay. 1789 or. But anything everybody like that, since but, then had released their taxes. It's traditional, and, and it was yeah. seen as something you had to do. And Trump just said, no, "I'm not." Right. And I think Biden can just. I don't think you'd want to say it out loud. You wouldn't want to draw attention to it if you're Joe Biden. But you just don't have press conferences. Um, if it were a Republican doing that, the media would there'd be a little there'd be a number in the corner on MSNBC right now. Day ninety eight of candidate X for the Republicans not having a press conference. But sure. that's he, you know he's got the cover from the media, so he doesn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I, the comparison is a good one, except that not releasing your taxes is arguably defensible. Not talking 
is a very, very strange way to run for president. Or not answering any questions. Can he pull off not debating? Because I think I would do that, too. You'd say, look, he lies so much, there'd be no way he could have a decent debate, so that's why I'm not debating. I think that'd give you cover with your own people. The rest of the country would hate you for it, but they're not going to vote for you anyway. I guarantee they're doing internal polling right now. The Trump, I'm sorry, the Biden uh, campaign is asking people, what would you think if he didn't debate? Or... Or or do a little uh, spin polling, running it up the flagpole, like you said. Since the president lies all the time, and the debate would be nothing but refuting his lies, do you think Joe Biden should debate? And if they get the number they're looking for, they will not debate. Candidates regularly say things that aren't true in debates. Always have, always will. But Right. I was reminded that uh, pretty, pretty Gavin Newsom, refused, uh, the governor of California refused to debate his opponent in the last uh, go-around. And I believe, I don't think old man Jerry Brown debated Neil Kashkari, who would have been a fabulous governor. I don't think he did, but I I prepare to stand stand corrected. I don't don't remember specifically. But that's an incumbent not wanting to debate an opponent. That's generally the case. The incumbents Uh, don't want to debate the opponent. In the case of Jerry Brown, yeah, not to... Not Newsom, but although he's the Democrat, so he practically is the incumbent, right. even as he runs for his yeah. first term. Um, the idea of the uh, the challenger to the president not not wanting to debate is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- well, we everybody knows his his biggest liability, maybe his only liability, like really damaging liability that could change things, is if he comes off as just mentally not capable of being president. Yeah. Which he could, and right. everybody knows he could. Right. I mean, it's just, I mean, right? I, 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 anyway. We hold these truths to be, oh, you know the deal. <laughs> you know the thing. <laughs> All men are, you know the thing. Yeah, get the yeah, yeah, I do. Play do the Victrola for the kids, you know? You do that thing. The radio, the, the, the turntable. I saw a little Venezuela. I saw a thing with Biden lately where he talked about if the debates do have what, what his strategy would be. And no sandwich and bushwhacking, <laughs> hornswoggling, crocker crocker huh? is going to roll away. Bingo. <laughs> oh, I've missed that clip. It's been a while. Joe, adults say summer loses its magic as you get older. No effing kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Two it's thirds, been a long week. Two. <laughs> I think this is hilarious. Yeah, no kidding. It's presented, like, seriously. Two-thirds of Americans believe summer loses its magic as they get older. Things that get in the way of fun of summer as an adult? Grown-up responsibilities and having a job. What what are we... Yeah. What what is this? Yes, it does. (laughs) The whole, I gotta pay the bills and work, really does take the fun out of summer compared to when I was, like, 12. (laughs) Coming up, it hurts to step on a nail and have it go clear through your foot. <laughs> what what else are we going to do? Putting your hand on a stove burner hurts. <laughs> I think that's funny. You can run faster as a 20-year-old than an 80-year-old. The average person says 14 is the age they had the best summer of their lives. Close. Uh, As I recall, 14, I really, really, really wanted to be smooching a girl. Uh, 15, I was. So, yeah, definitely 15, 16, 17. Hmm. Good times. Um, The future lay ahead of me. All these possibilities. 
It's in good shape. It's working, but I didn't mind because I had a little money to throw around. Mm-hmm. Cute girlfriend, please. My physical ailments included nothing. <laughs> Everything worked. The average person says having five adventures makes a summer memorable. Ah, yes. Five is the number of adventures you need to have. Five adventures? Is this is this like written originally in Chinese or what? The verbiage is so odd. <laughs> Let's five see, adventures. I climbed my wrist and fought a bear. <laughs> yeah. recovered that sunken treasure <laughs> right. let's see then there was my solo sailing trip to australia that was an adventure circumnavigated the globe by myself <laughs> oh and then i contacted that uh, a previously uncontacted tribe in the amazon yes five there they are are you kidding i got some good friends a girlfriend we snuck some beers that's perfect that is the perfect outcome for an evening five adventures if I get my clothes out of the dryer consecutively five times <laughs> when it's done, I consider yeah. that a memorable summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've talked about this many times before. I can remember the first time it hit me that summers were never going to be the same again. I was looking out the window at work, working at AT&T in Lee Summit, Missouri. And it, it did turn summertime. And I just, I just realized nothing's going to change because it's summer now. Nothing. Same crap, hotter outside. <laughs> I got a couple of jobs. And right. I'm going to keep doing them. Yeah. Nothing is going to be any different at all. And, and it was just devastating to me at the time. And I, th- and I thought, and it's still a little bit true. I thought because I was looking around at me, everybody there was older than me, and they were okay. They weren't like looking at the window, devastated as I was. And I right. thought, you get used to it. You get used to this and think it's okay is the problem. Yeah. And that is true to yes. a certain extent. You get used to it yes. and think it's okay. What's the alternative? There is no Constant alternative. misery? Yeah, there is no alternative. Dwelling on it is not a good alternative. Right. And then there's the other end of the spectrum. I think it was, I'm trying to remember because I can picture where I was. It had to be about four years ago. I think it was October. It was the first notably cool evening. And I threw on a hoodie or whatever and I realized, oh my gosh, another summer is gone. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. You probably only got two, three left, right? <laughs> it's a little dark. Somebody turn on a light. Got dark in here. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought this was interesting because this is true for me. Perhaps one of the very, very, very few advantages to having kids later in life. 85% of parents say their children help them recapture the magic of summer. Absolutely true. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and a lot of my favorite adult memories of uh, of summers is doing stuff with my kids. Sure, and you and you really don't. I'm doing this this weekend, as a matter of fact. I did it last weekend. You don't want summer to go by without them having some adventures. Mm-hmm. So you make sure you fit them in, right? Uh, yeah. Henry went out, and I went out on a boat uh, on the sea in San Diego last weekend. And I know Sam's going on a little camping trip sort of thing this weekend. Um, here are your top activities that uh, adults planned to uh, do this summer with their kids, I guess. Yeah. Sleeping in the backyard, 23%. I'm counting from the least likely to the most likely. We do that at least once a year. That's a good one. I might do that this weekend. Set up the tent in the backyard. That's fun. Too many beasts around my house lately. Playing Mountain out- lions, coyotes, I'll get at. Playing outside all day. My kids, they, they, they consider that torture, playing outside. So I want to do it, but 
So this article was written in 1971 by a Chinese national. I see my son sometimes. <laughs> like I'll tell him, you got to ride your bike for 10 minutes. I, or skateboard or scooter or something. Yeah. And he'll come back in like a minute. Was that 10 minutes? <sighs> I say, no, that was, that was one minute. And I said, I just, this isn't torture. I'm telling you to ride your bike on a beautiful day. That's not a horrible thing to have to do. Just, can you do it a little longer? My, is it over yet? Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's just interesting. It's like I, I've said, to, I was talking to somebody the other day. I have never, ever, in the last 20 years at least, seen two kids playing catch. Ever. <laughs> that weren't on a little league field when they, you know, they're getting ready for a right. practice or game, or whatever. Right. Ever. Yeah. When I was a kid, never ending. When I was in college, we would drive around. We had a football with us all the time. We'd play catch in the parking lot between classes. Sure. Frisbee, play maybe, catch. whatever. Yeah. I've, I haven't seen two kids playing catch in at least 20 years. Wow. Wow. You remember the expression ride bikes? Hey, you want to ride bikes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we just light out whoop, and explore the world. But, you no. Know. And I remember when the Nickelodeon was a dime. I, I do uh. think about the why it is. I, I the only thing I can hang it on is there was there were no alternatives. There was very little alternative. I didn't have video yeah. games. I had nothing on TV. I couldn't order up anything on TV that I want to watch. It, not even lack of alternatives, but from my understanding, parents were like, "No, no, 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 no. You kids go outside. Right. The, the inside is where the adult. Well, I'm trying to maintain this peaceful habitat yeah, for my, us all to exist in. My mom did that. I'm trying to do that. Maybe I'm just not being forceful enough. I've oh, made them stay outside and they'll, they'll like sit out there and stare in the window. <laughs> horrifying look on their face. Like a dog that's been put out. Like I've locked like, them in a box or something. Like you You're at outside AT- on a beautiful day. Like you at AT&T realizing summers are different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they look like. Oh, my God. My day is ruined. I'm out here. You know, I'm working on a, a corollary to uh, one of Sean's many uh, wise expressions that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. There's a flip side to that. There must be that, uh, I don't know, that, that, that too many options spoils the uh, soup or something. I don't know. <laughs> because I'm thinking about, quote unquote, riding bikes and playing catch and playing running bases, a game we used to play. There's another game name for it. I can't remember, but... um. Not for a single second doing those things did I feel like I was being denied anything. Oh, no. Heck I no. loved it. Heck no. So I used to beg my dad to play catch on days when it was too hot or he was tired or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Times change. I just yeah. Tell him you've hit a video game outside somewhere and they need to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put the new whatever the Nintendo hot Nintendo Switch yeah. card. It's not it's a bad idea. There. You just have to find it. Mm-hmm. Here's a hint. It's behind something that reminds you of Grandma. <laughs> and just turn them loose. <laughs> See him running around. <laughs> oh, we're going to finish strong, I hope. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. People are so evil. Why can't America wake up and beat them? Donald Trump's not perfect, but he doesn't want to hurt you and your family. Hillary and Obama want to make you poor and pathetic. We have all their white papers. They hate you. They hate prosperity. They hate God. They hate children. And goddamn them to hell. We're going to find the lever to beat these people, and they're, they're going to be beaten. Look at her sharp face. Have a look at her with that demon face. That's a freaking demon.
getting enough. crazy here. Enough. We, we got this Jeez. text. You guys, you need to listen to this. It's gold. There's a band called the Alex Jones Prison Planet. So apparently they take Alex Jones clips and put them to heavy metal riffs, and there you go. All right. Combat model. Optimus self-sufficiency. Probably the leader. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it's enough to make you crazy. Uh, Cal Unicornia is trying to crack down on the stupid, selfish bar owners who are trying to feed themselves and their employees by offering food. The law says in Cal Unicornia, if you offer meals, you can be open, even if you have drinks in a bar or whatever. So the bar owners are like, okay, we'll offer meals then. But then the governor and his fellow nut jobs in California have cracked down. And they have said chicken wings are not a meal. Um, I've had a meal of chicken wings on multiple occasions, but moving along. Cheese sticks. Fried... I've had a year of chicken wings where that's pretty much all I ate. Fried calamari. Wait a minute. Judy and I order that all the time. We split it. That's our meal. And french fries are not considered meals as they're cracking down. Calamari squid, right? It is. Eat that. Delicious. Fried squid. It's really good. Ugh. Oh, so good. Uh, cracking down on outdoor restaurants that are offering drinks without food as they battle a surge in COVID-19 cases. At least they didn't say spike, my least favorite word. The state's Alcoholic Beverage Control Agency has issued guidelines on what constitutes a meal and what doesn't. Ready or not. So will somebody challenge us legally? I mean, yes, if, I'm sure they will. Uh, well, you ought to. I mean, if you say it, if you serve food, you can have drinks. You don't get to declare mozzarella sticks not a food. Right. Not a meal. Not a meal. Also, pizza bites are not a meal. Egg rolls, which I've had on a hundred occasions as my meal, if pizza, are not a meal. If pizza is a meal, bites of pizza have to be a meal. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. Pot yeah. stickers, not a meal. I I break my pizza into bites and pretty much everything else I eat. Flautas, I, cups of soup are not a meal. Since when? Bread rolls, french fries, onion rings, small salads are not a meal. Ladies, you order a salad, that's not a meal. Get out, you lunatic. You lawbreaker, yeah. Frozen entrees, not a meal. Unbelievable. You realize you people are hilarious, right? You state control people. Gavin Mussolini and his crew of black shirts. Final thoughts. Yeah. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Mm, there he is, pressing the buttons in the control room. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, kids should be playing outside. I loved playing outside as a kid. My favorite was the Nerf Super Soaker, which we would have squirt fights in you know, all the time. Model rockets, all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. Combat and riding bikes. Positive Sean, our producer, final thought. It was very bizarre to me how much of a soothing, almost pacifier-like feel I've had these last couple days watching sports again. I, I wasn't expecting it to mm. to be as impactful of, okay, I, I remember these things happening as part of being alive and being in society. It was, it was strange, and I underestimated its effect. Uh, Jack, final thought for us? So I got home yesterday, and everybody was kind of down because that and worried still because that big fire we had at our house. And uh, I said, let's go get a crazy dessert. Whatever you want. We're going to go to Sonic. You can order whatever you want. And both kids got brownie batter milkshakes. They're milkshakes oh. that are like drinking a cup of brownie batter. Oh. I found it fantastic. And, yes. we, and we used it as a meal, Governor. Huh. It was a meal. Ready or not. 
My final thought is I am now a professional photographer. Uh, we're selling the walled compound in the woods, and the, the folks wanted like everything in it, including all the art on the walls, which is mostly pictures I've taken of mountains and rivers and beasts and flowers and stuff like that. Mountains and rivers and beasts and flowers. Oh, my. Yeah, so I'm now a professional photographer, evidently, as I've sold my art. Congratulations. I'm going to move into uh, tasteful uh, nude work, I think, next. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. And then highly distasteful nude work. Uh, let's be uh, I'm sorry, so many people. Thanks for a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Swag is there. The podcasts are there. Come on. See you Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. Armstrong and Getty.